Well, good morning. morning. It's good to see. How many of you are happy to be here today? Are you? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or uh, on the internet or a podcast, you guys in the warehouse, uh, chapel. Uh, We're glad that you're along too. Would you agree with me that we tend to interpret life through our own experiences? Do you agree with that? If something happens, we see something, and our interpretation of that is through our own life experiences, and it may not be even close to what somebody else saw. Would you agree? All right, let let me give you an example. Um, This week, uh, my daughter-in-law, Jenna, brought her three beautiful little girls uh, over to our house to spend the night because... uh, Jason, her husband, my son, is on a mission trip in Uganda. And uh, the next morning, Jenna and a group of her uh, friends from Sisterhood, women's ministry here, uh, they serve a homeless shelter. And so they have to be down there at, I think, 5.30 in the morning. And so there was nobody to be with the girls at that time. And she said, well, who's going to be sleeping at 5.30? That would be me. And so she brought them over. And and so Debbie and I had the girls. So we, we got up that morning. And we're having cereal together. We're eating our cereal, you know. And I get up to leave because I've got to go prepare for, you know, my message. It was like Thursday morning, I think, and I'm putting the final touches on what I'm going to be teaching you guys. And so Addison, my three-year-old, asked me, where are you going, Papa? And here's what I said to her. I said, I've got to go get my message for the weekend. Got to go get my message for the weekend. Addison at three years old has no concept of what my message for the weekend is. I mean, the kids, my grandkids, they'll, they'll see me on the screens out in the foyer and they'll point, Papa, Papa, but they don't know that that's a message, okay? She doesn't get that. She heard something entirely different because the word message sounded like a word that she knew. And so she turns to my wife as I walk out of the room and she starts laughing, Grandma, Papa's going to go get desitin for his bottom. (laughs) Desitin message, you know, sounds similar. Would you agree that we tend to interpret life through the lens of our own experience? Okay, I think we got it. So we're uh, doing a series of messages right now called Trending. And in fact, uh, last weekend I told you guys and you guys at the campuses that it's okay to Twitter and to Facebook during the message as long as you're just getting the message outside of this room uh, and not, you know, looking for a date or or, or whatever. And uh, so if you want to Twitter, you can hashtag Trending. 11 and uh, that's that's perfectly fine and then it's kind of fun during the week that we kind of see what each other's learning but uh, in trending we're we're learning to interpret trending topics uh, through a um, through a Jesus worldview or through a God world worldview and for the first three weeks we're dealing with kind of the afterlife last week we talked about um, um, just a broad brush on the afterlife this week we're going to talk about heaven and next uh, weekend here, and actually it's a, the following weekend in the uh, campuses, we'll be talking about hell. I just want to make just one little commercial, and that's this. You do not want to miss September 11th weekend here. Um, we've been working on that. 
Um, it's going to be incredible. I really, really feel like it is. And uh, you may want to bring a friend. I don't know where, where you'll put them in here, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure out something. But uh, you, you don't want to miss that weekend. So why are we talking about this stuff? Especially why are we talking about the afterlife? And the answer is this. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life. Because you will interpret the events of your life through your own worldview, through your own experience. People believe different things about death and eternity. Atheists believe that death is the end. When you die, you're just worm dirt. It's over. Uh, There's no real reason for an eternal perspective or even eternal motivations. Uh, those that believe in reincarnation, that you know that you're reincarnated, that you that you die and you come back as something else. If you're good, you come back as a higher life form, perhaps a Gamecocks fan. <laughs> if you're really bad, you come back. No, I'm not going there. <laughs> you come back as a palmetto bug. Have you seen one of those? Yeah, or maybe a mosquito. You know, like. Oh, that might have been your uncle. I, I don't know. I don't know. Muslims uh, believe that Allah will judge your works. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you'll go to paradise. And if your bad works outweigh your good works, then you go to hell. Life is kind of lived in this um, kind of uncertain fear that you've done enough. And to be honest with you, there are lots of Christians that live their life that way also. If the good outweighs the bad, then I'll go to heaven. If it doesn't, well, hopefully uh, that won't happen. Uh, some people believe that when you die, you come back as an angel. You know, you just kind of float around and and uh, you're the guardian angel of your family or whatever. And that's a wonderful concept, but it, it has no root in, uh, in, in scriptures at all. Some people believe that you come back as a ghost so that you can haunt your ex, you know. <laughs> That might be kind of fun, but I I still don't think it has a root. What you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life. And the Bible uh, clearly teaches something different than each of these things that we've kind of of laid out there. In fact, we're going to use a lot of Scripture today. I just want to tell you, um, this might be a little clinical. Okay, It's all right. It's good for you. Because what I want to do, most of what we know about the afterlife is speculation, and and it will be a little bit with me, but hopefully we'll speculate based on Scripture, and I've got tons of it in your your outline, and I want to really kind of go through what we know about the afterlife. And here's the uh, beginning point is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. Paul writes this, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to Christians who have died so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. So here, here's what he says. He, he clearly says that death is not the end. He says when you die, it's not the end of your life. It's the end of this life but it's not the end of your life. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. In fact, one of the, the translations says, uses the word ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to understand it so that when one of your friends who's in the Lord dies or one of your family members who's in the Lord dies, 
You're going to mourn because you're going to miss them. But don't miss it. Don't mourn like those who have no hope. If you'll get an eternal perspective, you'll see it just a little bit different. So, death is kind of a... It's been called a curtain that separates us from those who have gone before. And today what I want to do is I just want to push back the curtain a little bit and take a peek at what we know about heaven and the afterlife. And I want to get more specific than we did uh, last week. So let's just jump in, okay? Heaven, kind of three statements about it. Heaven, first of all, is for dead people. Heaven is for dead people. I just want to get that clear. you got to die to get there. But that's a problem because in the words of the great theologian, Kenny Chesney, everybody wants to go to heaven, but no, nobody wants to go now. You know, it's like, I got lots of stuff I want to do. And you know what that is? And, and we all kind of, honestly, if we were all real, you know, hey, we're going to just be honest with this thing. We all kind of feel that way. Most of us do anyway. You know, we're really pretty attached to the way things are. And to some degree, that's probably normal. But what I want to do is I want to lift your eyes up just a little bit so that you don't get so attached that you, you, you don't kind of dread what is to come or be in fear of what uh, is to come. Heaven's for dead people. Now, last week we established the fact that the mortality rate is right around 100%. And you're going to die. Everybody in this place is probably going to die unless Jesus comes. In fact, the Scripture says it this way. Hebrews 9.27 said it is destined that each person dies only once. And that after that, so only once means that there's no reincarnation. Okay, It's, it's destined that a person dies only once. And after that comes judgment. So also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again, but not to deal with our sins again. This time he will bring salvation to all of those who eagerly await for him. There's a lot of theology in that. And we're going to unpack it and break it out as we, as we go along. He talks about he's coming back. That's the day of the Lord when he returns a second time. He says that time he's not coming on at least for us to judge for sin that's not it at all but to actually establish his his kingdom he'll bring salvation uh but what i want to talk about just right now is you're destined to die you're gonna you're gonna die all of us will and then you will face a judgment he says after that comes the judgment based on what you did with jesus during your lifetime now why is jesus so important to the equation because of this because we are all sinners would you look at the person next to you and tell them they're a sinner would you just do that some of you did it with a little bit of attitude okay all right all right we're all sinners but here listen let me let me tell you the bad news with that the bad news is that our sin separates us from a holy god and from the possibility of living life forever with God in eternity. The good news is this, that God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to, to, to be born of a virgin. So He's not tainted by Adam's sin as you and I are. Born of a virgin, lived a pure sinless life, uh, died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin, rose again, proving that He is God, 
And uh, if you call on His name, no matter how messed up you are, and some of you are pretty messed up, no matter how messed up you are, your sins are forgiven. They're gone. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west. It says when you call on the name of Jesus and you believe that He did what He said He would do, then your name will be written down in the book of life forever. You are sealed as one of God's children in His family. And when that happens, the angels in heaven rejoice for every sinner that becomes a saint by calling on the name of Jesus. And so when you die, you'll go to the place that Jesus promised that He was preparing. Heaven. Heaven is for dead people. Specifically, it's for believers who die physically. But here's kind of, I was thinking about this this week. Here's kind of good news. It's also for believers who are willing to die to themselves in this life. In fact, the Bible says that you can experience a little bit of heaven on earth. You can experience the kingdom of heaven now. Just a little bit of it. If you are willing to deny yourself, to die to yourself, and be alive to God. In fact, Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I myself no, no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. What does that mean to trust in the Son of God? That means that every day of your life you're going to have decisions of whether I'm going to do things my way or whether I'm going to do things God's way. And when I make a decision to do things God's way, whether that's with my sex life, with my dating, with my money, uh, with my uh, career, with whatever it happens to be, I make decisions parenting-wise that I'm going to trust God and follow God. And, and, And those are tough decisions. Those are difficult decisions. I have to make them every day and you do too. And when we make those decisions, we die to ourselves and we trust God that it's the right way. And when you do that, then the kingdom of God comes to bear in your life. Jesus says it like this, Matthew 6, 33. He says, uh, seek first the kingdom of God. And if you do that, then everything that, that you need for life will be added to you. And that's why when people seek God first, they have a higher quality of life. That's why when people seek God first, First, things seem to go better. Doesn't mean that they won't endure, you know, the stuff of the world that we all have to endure, but they'll endure it with a different quality of life and a different attitude and a different sense of peace because they're living in a little bit of heaven, which is going to come, which we're all going to when we believe in in God. It, it, It comes to bear in our lives now because we choose to die. Heaven is for dead people. You understand that? Second thing that I know about heaven is that heaven is where God is. Heaven is where God is. Revelations 22, John, the apostle, got a dream, a revelation from God of what heaven would be like. And and he wrote it down. And here's one of the things he said. No longer will anything be cursed. There'll be no chicken curse. There will be no goat curse for the cubs. No longer will anything be cursed. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. We're in heaven. And His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face. Heaven is where God is. It isn't just a place we go. In fact, if 
God left the place that we call heaven, it wouldn't be heaven anymore. Because it's about being in the presence of God. See, the rewards that we earn in heaven aren't things. We tend to avoid, you know, we we aren't told to avoid loving our possessions here just so we can get better bling in heaven. That's not what it's about. The reward of heaven is being where God is. It's experiencing perfect love, perfect peace, the smile of the Father. It's being united with God. It's being, uh, it's knowing and being known, according to 1 Corinthians 13. It's seeing clearly without having to, to see from our, our fogged perspective of life. It's being reunited, as we talked a little bit last week, with those who have gone before. Heaven is where God is. The reward is becoming like He intended us to be, which is perfected people. God had a plan when He created you and He made you. And it's distorted in this world by sin. Um, for instance, um, I write. That's part of what I do. I, every week I write a message. And I've uh, just, just written a book that, oh, by the way, will be coming out September 28th. Have I talked about that? But uh, in, in writing... One of the things that writers uh, hate the worst is what's called writer's block. When you get up on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday and you're writing a message and there's nothing, or you're writing a chapter on a deadline and there's nothing, and you're looking at a blank screen and, oh my goodness, there's just, just block. Well, heaven, I, I believe we'll be able to write in heaven. I really do. Only there won't be writer's block because I think that's a result of the fallen world that we live in. I believe in heaven I'll be able to sing. It's one of the desires that I have. In fact, I really believe that Justin Bieber got my gift. (laughs) Somebody screwed up in that whole deal. I was supposed to look like that and also sing like that. And I'll be able to do that. So where is heaven and how do I get there? Let me talk about how I get there. And then we'll talk a little bit about where it is. Um, When a person dies immediately after death, what happens to my loved one? There's a screening process and a separation that happens. First, there's a separation of the body and the spirit. The body goes into the grave, later to be rejoined. We'll talk about that. But there's also a separation of um, those who um, believe and those who don't. Uh, let, me, let me illustrate it like this. How many of you have ever uh, taken an airplane ride? Anybody ever gone anywhere on an airplane? Okay. So what happens? You go, you go to the counter, you get your ticket and all that kind of stuff. And then before you actually get on the plane, what do they do? You're going to take off almost all your clothes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, maybe you're, if you've ever been you're going to a business meeting, sometimes I'll go and I'm, I'm going to a meeting as soon as I get wherever I'm at and I'm all dressed and all this. And then you've got to undress in front of, you know, 50 of your best friends in the world that you've never met. And, and what they do is they make you go through a body scan. You've been through one of those? And, and sometimes you get one of these right here. Have you ever seen one of these bad boys? Okay. So you got, you, got, you got everything off. You think you got off. And they go, nope, nope, nope. Oh, it's a belt. I forgot to take my belt off. What is this scanning for? Scanning for metal. All right. They don't want you to, to have anything on that could be harmful to other passengers. Well, let me make an a- analogy like this. When you die, immediately you go through, a, let, let's just call it a sin scanner. And, and what it does, it's, it's scanning for sin. Let's see, see how we do here, okay? This section's pretty good right here, not bad. Up here, not too bad. What, what about right here? Oh, man. 
front row, front row, really bad stuff. Okay. <laughs> Better move it. You guys, yeah, stay with me. Okay, and we, we go over here. And so, it's a terrible illustration, but I thought it was pretty funny. And I got one of these things out of it, so that's kind of cool. So, the moment you die, your life is run through a, a let's call it a sin scanner. And, and if sin's found, you're shuffled over to a judgment waiting room, uh, which is much worse than sitting in a timeout area while everybody else goes through in the airport. In fact, the Bible calls that judgment waiting room for those uh, who are outside of God's family, a uh, Hebrew word called Sheol. The Greek word is Hades, from which we get hell. And we're going to talk more about that next week, okay, when, when, we, when we talk about it. But for right now, we're just going to leave that alone. And so if no sin is found, you immediately go to your next de- destination, which is actually the first stop, because what we're talking about right now is completely automated. And you go, well, hang on, Greg, time out. I know that I sin. We just asked you earlier how many of you are sinners and everybody except the liars who are actually sinners too (laughs) said, yeah, you know, I do. So what about that? Well, that's where my illustration breaks down because this actually doesn't scan for sin. I just thought it'd be funny to kind of rip on the people in the front row. This would scan for the presence of of Jesus. Okay. If If there is a presence of Jesus, it covers my sin because that's part of what he did, he came and he died for my sin. If you're a believer, you're covered by faith in Jesus Christ. You're clothed in his righteousness. Now, so where do you go? Well, where you go when you die, the first place you go, and you, do, you go two places if you're a believer. The first place you go is called the current heaven or intermediate heaven. The reason it's called that is because it's not our final stop, Okay. Let me explain it like this. If Colton Burpo, remember the kid from last week that if you were here last week, we did this video. Kid said he died and dad wrote a book and they've sold a cabillion copies. And uh, he said that uh, he went to heaven and came back and he explained what he saw. And if he indeed went to heaven, this is where he went. He didn't go to the ultimate place where we go. He went to the current heaven or intermediate heaven and this is where most of our imagery of heaven comes from very little is said about it in scripture but the scripture does say this when a believer dies they step right into the presence of god luke 23 and verse 43 um, is from jesus when he was on the cross remember two thieves one of them was mocking him the other one was saying you know what i think you're who you said you were will you remember me uh, when you get to wherever you're going and jesus said this i assure you today you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Paradise was a word for the common kind of knowledge of this intermediate heaven, this this current heaven. And Jesus said, and if he said it, I believe him, that this thief would be with him that day. Immediately, he would be in the presence of God. It's just not our final and forever destination. Let 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 me explain that just a minute. Uh, if you've ever flown out of Charleston, South Carolina, you know that you don't go directly where you want to go, right? If you're going to Dallas or, well, Dallas, you can get there. You have to pay extra. But if you're going to, uh, you know, Denver, where I'm from, or you're going to Los Angeles or whatever, you're going to fly through what? Yeah, it's purgatory. You're going to fly through. I'm not talking about purgatory here, okay? 
I'm not the, the, the first place you go to is not pur- purgatory is more like uh, Walmart the day before school starts. That's purgatory. Okay? <laughs> That's not the concept here. But if you fly, you're going to fly through Atlanta or Charlotte. I like Charlotte because they got these rocking chairs that you can sit in. But you, I normally fly through Atlanta. And, and uh, so I remember one day I was going to get a ticket and the person at the counter said, where are you going to? And I said, Atlanta. I was actually going to Denver, but I thought they meant, where am I going to now? I'm going to Atlanta. And they couldn't find my ticket because Atlanta wasn't my final destination. Atlanta was just a layover. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Uh, with believers, when they die, um, they, we, 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 we go to a layover before our final eternal destination. It's a nice place. Christ is there. Family and friends who have gone before. But it's not the ultimate place where we're going. Where is this layover? Where is this current heaven? I don't know. We do know that it is usually invisible to us, but sometimes God gives humans a peek into it. In fact, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 55, you have um, one of the leaders of the early church named Stephen who is being stoned to death for uh, his testimony of Christ. And here's what it says about him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily upward into heaven. And he saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened. What did he see? If, indeed, the little kid from last week went to heaven, he saw the same thing. It was this intermediate heaven, and God was there, and Jesus was there, and it was amazing, and God welcomed him into his presence. Where is it? Don't know. But those who embrace the string theory of science, this is just an idea, just an idea, say that there are ten unobservable dimensions and an infinite number of imperceptible universes. They say that... You know, we, we see this dimension and there are other dimensions, at least 10 of them, that we don't see that are all around us. If that's the case, maybe God's using one of them, you know. Maybe it's not as far away as kind of what we imagine. Maybe it, it's around us in one sense. It would be kind of like, I, I, I remember working with an Excel spreadsheet. Anybody work with Excel spreadsheet? And I remember somehow... I messed up and hit a column. Have you ever hit a column on a spreadsheet? So I had to have Glenn Wood, our administrator, come down and because I said, Glenn, I've lost numbers. Where are they at? And he said, well, they're there. And I said, no, they're not. Look, and he punched a button and I could see it. It was just hidden. And there are times in the Bible, there's several times, I don't have time to go through them, where God punches a button and allows people to see what is invisible most of the time. Now, let's, let's move on. Sometime after we arrive, there will be an award ceremony. Judgment, it says. The Bible also uh, actually speaks about two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment, which is the one that we hear about a lot. And, um, and that's the judging of sin. And we're going to talk about that next week. I don't believe that believers stand before the great white throne judgment because our sin has been judged in Jesus Christ on the cross. And when you get that in here, it changes your whole perspective about life. You don't go around worrying about, you know, something that happened in, you know, 2006. Because if it's been confessed and repented of, Jesus has already judged it on the cross. And we don't stand before the great white throne judgment. Second judgment is uh, called the Bema seat. B-E-M-A, seat judgment. It's the judgment seat of God. And it's a believers only event. And uh, uh, Romans 14 and verse 10 talks about, remember... 
Each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. In other words, as a believer, your life will be reviewed. It's like God sits down with you and says, let's, let's, do, a, let's do a review. Have you ever had an annual review? Those are scary. This one isn't supposed to be scary. We sit down and God reviews our life and then rewards are passed out as a result of faithful service. Maybe this happens. Maybe God Himself sits down with you and says, you know, do you remember when you served when no one else was watching? Do you, do you remember how altruistic you were in the beginning and you began to serve as to an audience of one and then over time you were tempted to look around and say, why doesn't anybody notice? And you got discouraged, but you plowed your way through it. And you began to understand and you said, you know what, if nobody sees me, that's okay. I'm going to do the right thing. Well, I want to tell you something. I was watching you. And I saw you do that. And here's the reward. And the reward is just amazing. Or maybe God sits down with you and you say, you remember when you spent your time off? Your day off? Do you remember when you, you spent that time tutoring that student who couldn't get ahead on his own? who's maybe from an unfortunate situation different than what you were born into, but you gave your time. I want to tell you something. I was watching that. And here's your reward. Or do you remember when you befriended that girl at school that no one else did? I mean, you almost walked by them and, or by her and, and you looked over and something inside of you and hey, that something was me prompting you. And you responded to my prompting and you befriended her. It made a difference in her life. And I want to tell you something. I was watching that. And, and here's your reward. Or, or do you remember when you faithfully gave even when it seemed crazy? You gave and you supported the work of the ministry in your local church and to missions around the world? I want to tell you something. I watched that. And it multiplied here. You didn't store up your treasure on earth. You stored it up here. Let me show you what that made. Or do you remember when you prayed and you thought nothing happened? You were a little frustrated with it actually, but you continued to do it and you developed a discipline of daily prayer. I want you to see right now what happened as a result of your prayer. And you are totally blown away by what God did in the invisible. See, your life will be, will be judged. And rewards will be passed out. And assignments will be made for what you will do for the rest of eternity. So, heaven is for dead people. Heaven is where God is. So what's going to happen with the rest of eternity? Heaven is coming to earth someday. The Bible seems to indicate that someday Jesus is going to come back and God will restore the heavens and the earth to its intended state. And that's where we're going to spend eternity. That's our ultimate destination. Heaven on earth. We'll look at some scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Paul says this, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. It says the Lord Himself, Jesus, will come down from where? From heaven, which is the intermediate heaven. It says He will come down with a shout, 
And then here's what's going to happen. First, all of the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. All the Christians everywhere who've died will rise from their graves, whether they've been cremated, whether they've been buried, whether they've been lost, whatever it happens to be, God in His infinite greatness will be able to rise them together. Their bodies, now their spirits, have already gone to be with the Lord. And they're somehow in the intermediate heaven. We can recognize each other. Um, I've done messages on that. Don't have time to go through all of the Scriptures. But the body and the the spirit has been separated. and, And in that day it will be brought together. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, it says, Then together with them, we who are still alive, if there are Christians alive on the earth at that point, they will remain on the earth. They will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with Him forever. This is called the day of the Lord. This is called the second coming of Jesus. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their, their uh, graves. And then Christians who are alive will be caught up in the clouds and um, that's when we get an extreme makeover. Take a look at it, the next verse. Verse 15, it says, But let me tell you a wonderful secret God has revealed to us. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. Remember the previous verse talks about a trumpet being blown. For when the trumpet sounds, the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies. So evidently, The spirits will be rejoined with the body and the body will be transformed. It'll be the new body. Somebody last week said, you know, I'm not sure that story about that little kid is true. A lot of theological problems with it, which I'm not going to argue for or against. I told you I'm a little skeptical, but I really, you know, was was impacted by some things. They said because if he went to heaven, he got his transformed body and he came back, did he lose his transformed body? Well, you got to understand that you don't get your transformed body until this ultimate destination, okay? We can recognize one another in the current heaven or intermediate heaven, but we don't get our transformed body until the second coming of the Lord, which is what it's talking about here. It says they'll be transformed, uh, and the Christians who have died will be raised with transformed bodies, and then we who are living will be transformed so that we will never die. So we'll get a new body too if you happen to be alive at that time. I'm going to have one hunk of a body i gotta tell you something I, i've had to i've had to put up with this one for you know how many ever years he owes me and so for our perishable earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that will never die now that event this jesus coming uh down from heaven not all the way uh and and then and then Christians uh, who are alive, and he's bringing with him the spirits of those who have already gone to heaven and their bodies raise up. And the Christians who are alive, they raise up to meet him in the sky. That's called the rapture. Okay. Now the word rapture is not uh, in the Bible, but the concept is. That's the concept right there. The word rapture simply means being caught up. When does the rapture happen? Um, there's a lot of controversy, or not controversy, uh, discussion in the church on that, okay? Uh, it depends on how you interpret a concept called the millennium in Revelation chapter 20, which I'm not going to go through. If you want more information on that, get the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. In fact, I'd recommend you get that anyway because it's the best book on heaven I've ever read. Uh, and or we're going to post on the city, one of our local theologians is going to post three different views on there, what the strengths and weaknesses are. 
And uh, then you can kind of see it. And uh, diff- different Christians believe different things about that. But the important thing is that it will happen. All right, it will happen. And sin will be judged one final time. We'll talk about that next weekend. And finally, heaven comes to earth, to a renewed earth. Isaiah prophesied it in Isaiah 65, 17. It says, look, I am creating a new heaven and a new earth, renewing the earth, restoring the earth. So wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. 2 Peter 3 and verse 13 says, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world where everyone is right with God. Revelations 21 says, when I saw the new heaven and new earth for the old heaven and the old earth, it disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, the home of God is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with him. What's up with that? That's our ultimate destination now. A couple of different concepts on that. Some people believe, some theologians believe that it's, a, it's an entirely new heaven, an entirely new earth that will be uh, like what God intended when He created this one. Others believe that the earth that we're on right now will not be totally destroyed, partially destroyed, that it will be renewed in the sense that when you get a fixer-upper house, you ever had one of those? And it's like a new house. I tend to believe the second part doesn't matter. You know, listen, um, I don't have time to get into that. You just, you know, you, you got to learn. You got to learn that, you know, it's not us versus them. Uh, there's a broad tent in Christianity. And, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, Tim LaHaye believes one thing and somebody else believes another thing. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, don't sweat the small stuff. The principles are the big thing. And here's the principle that we are going to live on a new earth, whether it's this one restored or a brand new one like this. I tend to believe it's this one restored. We will live forever with God on a renewed earth. It'll be like South Carolina without sand nets. It'll be incredible. Incredible. And um, my friend Rick Warren likes to say that life here is preparation for eternity. I believe that. That makes sense. Now, if eternity is playing a harp somewhere, floating around or whatever, then this life has very little to do with that. But if life forever is on an earth like this, where it's free of sin, where we are doing what we were made to do, then life here is preparation for eternity. See? The question is, when you get to heaven, will you be able to take any of your behaviors with you? We're supposed to be new creations now, but some of us will have to start completely over when we get to heaven because we'll get in by the skin of our teeth and we didn't learn anything here and our rewards will be small. All right. That's kind of the clinical part. Let me just hit two or three questions as I, as I close this, this, this morning. Because people always ask me questions about heaven. So I'll hit two or three of them. First one, biggest one. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest one. One later is a little bit bigger in some people's mind. But will there be animals in heaven? Do my pets go to heaven? I'm asked that all the time. And there's nothing that says that they won't. In fact, there are animals in heaven. The Bible says that lions lay down with the lamb and all that kind of thing. Uh, Here's my theory, personally. I think some animals don't make the cut. Um, I think that there will be lions, but there will not be the smaller cats because they indeed are demon-possessed, would not get through one of these at all, okay? And you don't have to agree with me on that. It's okay. 
I just ask you to get a sense of humor. Okay, now, can people in heaven see us? Some theologians say no. Other theologians say there's no reason uh, why, they, why they wouldn't. Some, some say, well, if people could see you who've gone before, then there would be tears in heaven and there are no tears in heaven. Well, the no tears in heaven refers to the second heaven, the ultimate destination. So I, I don't know. It's, it's possible. I tend to think they will. Uh, how old will we be in heaven? Don't know. Middle-aged philosophers seem to say that 33, you know, it was how old Jesus was when he, when he uh, uh, completed his work here. It, God will handle that. I have no idea. Uh, will there be sex in heaven? That's the biggie. Uh, actually, it's the number two question. Uh, but guys always, hey, will there be sex in heaven? Um, I don't know. You know, one guy says, kind of agrees with uh, uh, Kenny Chesney. If if there's not, um, I'm not ready to go yet. But anyway, uh, why wouldn't there be? You know, I mean, why wouldn't there be? It's a gift from God in the context of marriage. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, if humanity is perfected, why not perfected sex? You know, that seems to make sense. But let's look at this next question because it gives a little pers- different perspective on it. And this is the big one. Will we be married in heaven? You know, I mean, I just celebrated 35 years with my wife, Debbie. I love her very much. Will we be married in heaven? Problem is, for some of you guys, it would be which wife <laughs> or which husband. And that's a problem. Uh, seriously, they came to Jesus with that same question. They tried to trip him up because they made up this scenario where a guy had seven, seven wives. And he said, uh, they said, uh, when, you know, in, in the next life, which one will you be married to? And Jesus answered it really clearly. He said in Mark twelve twenty five, he says, for when the dead rise, they won't be married. They will be like the angels in heaven. He says they won't be married. Now, part of me goes, oh, bummer. You know, I want to, I love her. I've spent all my life getting to know her. I'm asking to be a roommate or something with her, you know, or maybe the mansion next door, you know, what, what, whatever. But, uh, you know, honestly, um, honestly, if God created an incredible institution like marriage and it's just a, a blink of what he has in store, I'm sure he's able to do something incredibly great that none of us will be disappointed with. Amen? And, uh, but since sex is for marriage... It doesn't look like sex makes the cut either. Um, so if you're married, you probably ought to get busy because there seems to be a limited season. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on. Um, <laughs> most people, most people are concerned about cats and sex. Maybe we ought to dream a little bigger. Okay, a little bigger about heaven. All right, there. You know, set our sights a little higher. If, if you know what I mean. All right, real quickly. So how should I respond to a message like this? Wad up your outline sheet and throw it at me. Now, right, here's, here's what you do. Three things. Make sure you're ready to go. Make sure you're ready to go. You say, doesn't everybody go to heaven? Well, Matthew seven twenty one says, not all people who sound religious are really godly, Jesus said. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. Big deal. It's a big deal. So you need to be, be sure that you're ready to go. Uh, second way to respond is let heaven fill your thoughts. And I talked about that a lot last week. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Reality, circle realities there. 
where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You know what? If we really believe this, the reality of heaven, then we wouldn't cling so tightly to this life. I mean, I love my loved ones. I really do. And I, I can't, it, you know, it hurts me to think about, well, you know, someday um, they might die. I, I, if I died first, mourn for me for a little bit, but understand that I'll be there in the intermediate heaven ready to show you around, okay? Because it's a real thing. I think about it all the time. Don't let a day go by without anticipating the new world that Christ is preparing. And then the third thing you do is live every day in light of eternity. Live every day in light of eternity. C.T. Studd, the missionary, said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What will last for eternity? Will cars? No. Will houses? No. Will trophies? No. Will degrees? Mm-mm. Here's what lasts forever. Every time you serve the needy. Every time you feed the hungry. Every time you give a cup of cool water to the thirsty. Every dollar invested in missions, evangelism. Every moment serving and caring. That's why Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moth and get rusty and where thieves will break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty or where they will be safe from thieves. For wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Listen to me. Remember this. The most ordinary day in heaven is better than the most perfect day in this life. Every time you think, it can't get any better than this, can I assure you, it will. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word, your kingdom, the life that you have promised in Jesus. If we deny ourselves, die to ourselves here, we can experience a little of it. If we trust in you, we can experience it forever. Now, God, I just pray that in the next few moments here and at every campus or on the internet or if you're listening by a podcast, that that the Holy Spirit will deal with our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.